0: To the Megan Walrod Show. I'm your host and I am delighted to bring to you season two, Brave Women, Brave Living. You are in for some juicy, inspiring conversations. So dive in, enjoy. Then afterwards, come on and continue the conversations in our private Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's go already. Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Megan Walrod, and I am freaking delighted to welcome to the show with us today to Dr. Melissa Bird. Welcome to the show, Melissa.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) I am too. I am too. And listeners, I got to share with you. This is an amazing woman who I just met, Dr. Melissa Bird. I love your name so much, like Bird. Oh, mm, mm. She, this brave woman, brave pioneer, emailed me earlier this year, and I have her permission to share with you a little bit of what she wrote to me. And after you hear this, you might totally, you'll totally get why she's here today. So she wrote to me telling me how she loved the show, loved the conversations, and that she wanted to be a guest on my podcast. She said, as a Native American, bisexual, feminist, growing up in Utah, I'm no stranger to your mission of... Going beyond cultural conditioning and societal expectations to follow your heart. Every day I had to move beyond what was acceptable in order to live a thriving, soul-filled life. And as though, as, as if that wasn't enough to grab my attention and be like, I want to know you. She went on to say, in my business, I help women learn how to listen to their intuition. And connect to their natural way of operating in the world so that they can be more connected to themselves and aligned to their purpose and their souls, which is totally brave living. And she loves doing interviews about her work, which she calls graceful revolution. So when I read this email, I just responded right away. I was like, let's chat. I want to get to know you. Definitely want to have you as a guest on my show. And because you are the epitome of brave woman, brave living, supporting other women in their own brave living. So thank you for the work that you're doing, the play that you're being, the the wake up that you're being on this planet. And I want to share a little bit more of your, your official bio. Okay. So. Yeah. So, so Dr. Melissa Bird is a descendant of the Shivitz band of Paiutes. She's a nationally recognized lay preacher, author, life coach, and podcaster. Her podcast is called the thinnest veil and I'll drop the link in the show notes. You definitely want to check it out. I love the deep dive short doses of wisdom that Mm. you share there. So inspiring. And she Inspires personal understanding through contemplation, helps people use their intuition to change their lives and communities, and encourages the healing of grief and loss through spiritual connection. Her words awaken revolutionaries, trailblazers, and powerful innovators who are seeking deeper connection and expansive growth. She's an author. She's a pioneer. She's currently disrupting the land farming industry with the Mermaid's Garden, a passion, a project, a life-affirming movement she's involved in with her husband. We'll talk more about that. She lives in Oregon as well with her husband, three children, two dogs, and one three-legged cat. And we are on a journey today of a deep dive exploring the wisdom of Dr. Melissa Bird. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) And she has her stones out in front of me and she's got some fabulous jewelry. I've got my- I got my jewels. I'm ready to go. You do. We are ready to go. And Melissa, I'd love to drop into a story with you. What was it like to be you? This (laughs) Native American bisexual feminist growing up in Utah. Can you share with us a bit about- the The challenges and the courage you summoned to be you, or maybe it was a time of not being
1: you or. Bother. Oh yeah. I think it was more of a time of not being me. Than being. Yeah. Um, I, I think, well, I actually had someone ask me about six months ago, if I'd always been this confident and I said, huh? I was like, well, you think I'm confident? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. Um, Let me call my mom and ask. (laughs) And so I did. I called my mom and I was like, have I always felt this confident? And she's like, she's like, you were born confident. And then, because I don't feel confident all the time. And I said, oh, and she goes, but I think after your dad died, because my dad committed suicide when I was six. She said, I think after your dad died, you were unsure. I mean, obviously, when you're yeah. six and your dad dies, yeah. you are un- you become unsure of your place in the world. Absolutely. And that also uh, cut me off from the Native American side of my family. And now mind you, this was 1980. So I really want everybody to understand that like at this time period in Utah in 1980, number one, no one commits suicide. And if they did, it was a terrible, bad thing. But number two we were not talking about Native American issues the way we talk about decolonization and white supremacy and all these other things today. And um, and so what happened is that I think I lost the sureness of who I was in the world as a human because of that. And so I was super wobbly until um, I had this major life event happen. I mean, I was always like, I'm going and getting, I was a lobbyist, you know, I was doing my thing. I was doing my jam. I was getting my master's degree in social work. I was doing advocacy. Like I was doing all the things and I was never, there was always something missing. And then I think it was 2006 or 2007. I was looking for my dad's obituary online. I couldn't ask my mom for it Mm -hmm. for other reasons but I was looking for my dad's obituary online and I found my uncle Arvil, who is a native American musician. And that took me down this rabbit trail of reconnecting with my family. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some people I talk to and some people I don't. Uh, but what it did is it started to open me up to who I am as a spiritual being and at my center and who are my people. And and so growing up in utah i didn't realize truthfully how complicated the native american piece in particular was probably Mm -hmm. until like five years ago Mm -hmm. like that's been a very recent in my 40s kind of a uh project i guess i will say and what I'm realizing through this exploration of my ancestry and my family and the very complicated, um, history of Utah as, um, a colonized state and a a very conservative religious place, um, has been really probably the most transformative experience I've ever had. I mean, mm-hmm. being bisexual, I was with women for 12 years. I was the lobbyist for Planned Parenthood. Like I'm not a stranger to risk. I don't have a risk aversion. <laughs> you know, I was telling someone earlier today, I really like poking people and seeing how uncomfortable I can make them. I'm a really uh-huh. fun life coach. Um, like, <laughs> That's- you know, like, like I, I don't have a, Mm. a, uh, an aversion to those things. And I feel like, I feel like when I think about all of these intersections of my identities and who I am and the way I walk in the world, um, it has been this ongoing process of, well, what do I want to know today? Mm -hmm. Like this curiosity about what do I want to figure out about who I am that's constantly evolving and getting way more fun in my middle age? Mm. Mm
0: Because
1: I just, it's just way more fun because I'm just like, oh, I have no restrictions or boundaries anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I get to play a little bit.
0: Yeah. And and how is this journey? Because you started, you were sharing about how it felt like something was missing, the wobble after your dad committed suicide at six. And so here's this confident confident lobbyist and that and I'm curious how and if this reconnecting with that side of your family reconnecting with yourself as a spiritual being if that filled in
1: that sense of what was missing or that yeah. wobble yeah two things happened with the wobble um the the confidence hit two things happened one is I connected to my ancestry and really started to to dig into what that means and who I am Mm -hmm. and how I, how am I a being of the land Mm -hmm. Um, truthfully connecting to this natural state of being? I actually um, had someone say to me, you are the forest. Um, When I was talking about our land acquisition, I'd like stop looking for the forest outside of you. You are the forest. And I was like, Oh, (gasps) Oh, Whoa. Okay. Wow. So if we return to this natural state of being and recognize that we are of nature, we are naturally occurring things on this planet. then that opens up a whole lot of amazingness about connecting to my natural way of being and our natural way of being, because we are the land, like we are of the earth because Mm -hmm. we are, we are born of the earth. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: The other thing that happened is I started going to church. Now, I want to say this for everybody. I walked into the Episcopal church, literally kicking and screaming. I did not want to go. My oldest daughter wanted to go. And I was like, I do not want to go to church. I don't want to get anywhere near a church. I had so much baggage from growing up in Utah that there was not under, you know, this very predominant Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I did not want to go to church. And my daughter begged and begged and begged. And I finally called our friends who were gay and Episcopal. And I was like, I need y'all to find me a church. It's gotta be feminist. It's gotta be LGBT affirming. Like I'm not going to church. And they said, and one of them did some great work. And long story short is he's like, your church is like right by your house. I was like, that's a lie. And he's like, no, it really is. And I was like, I don't believe you. And and so we started going to church. I, I mean, it took a while. It still took months to get me there. But what happened And, and I want people to hear, like, that was a huge risk for me, Mm -hmm. like as a witch, as a native person, as someone who did not know what would happen when I walked into that church, the judgments I held towards the body of church. And I walked in and I started sobbing. And every Sunday for three months, we would walk into that sanctuary and I would just sit there and sob. And I'm not talking like cute little adorable tears. Oh, I'm super moved by the spirit. Uh uh-uh. uh. I was wailing. I would have snot coming out of my nose. Like I was being completely and totally and entirely transformed. And part of that was because the people there were so lovely and kind and welcoming and the opposite of anything I had ever thought about a Christian. Wow. Because I had this whole image of hellfire and brimstone, conservative Christianity that, that I had believed to be true and nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to the Episcopal church. And it changed my life forever. And, and then our priest Simon was like, You need to preach. And I was like, Oh, no, no, sir. You are not putting me on a pulpit. I have a pulpit. You should follow me on Instagram. Like, <laughs> I, it's okay. I got a website. I got some books. I got like a blog. Like, I, you know, at the time I was doing Facebook Lives, I was like, You can watch my videos. I'm not getting up. No, I am not preaching about God. Mm-mm. No, no. And he's like, Yeah, you are. I was like, mm. No, I sure am not. And all these things happen. Now, again. <laughs> now I'm literally a licensed lay preacher. And I'm all, does this mean I can do weddings? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, now I can marry people. The irony though, is that I ended up actually facilitating funerals. So like mm. people would have me speak and help. I've done a couple of funerals now where I, cause I, I do a lot of work around grief and loss. You mentioned that earlier, but I really do a lot of work around grief and loss. And it's actually led to me doing a lot of work, helping people navigate the ritual of grief. Wow. Who knew? Wow. Who, knew? Who knew? And I'm
0: struck by the both and the earth connection
1: yeah.
0: and church connection. Mm-hmm. yeah, And then you- becoming a lay preacher (laughs) you sharing the gospel of what do you call it what what do you
1: I mean and god jesus mary I love mary um but I have to tell you too like like I, I thought for sure I was like okay I told my assistant I'm gonna go out on a limb and we're gonna start talking about me being a christian witch and she's like okay and I thought I was coming up with this really great hashtag and I hit it, right? Like on Instagram shows you how many people follow a certain hashtag. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm coming in on the cutting edge. And it was like five or 6,000 followers of Chris, hashtag Christian witch. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there it There's other people. <laughs> when you take a risk to come out, I mean, I've come out a lot. Yeah. I came out as a, as a bisexual woman. And then I, then I came out as a lesbian and I had to leave my husband to come out as a lesbian. Right. Like I was like, dude, I'm leaving you for a woman. My first husband, I come out as a lesbian. Then (laughs) I go through a divorce of my ex-wife and I meet my now husband, but I met my husband in a bar. That's another story. And So I have to come out to all my lesbian friends and say, by the way, I'm going back to Mexico (laughs) because I'm not doing this anymore. And they were like, you're a traitor. And I'm all, no, actually, I put the B back in LGBT. (laughs) (laughs) Like That's what it means to be bisexual is that you fall in love with both hands. And so I've come out a lot, but let me tell you the hardest thing to come out as was a Christian witch, because we have so much stigma, fear, anger, rightfully so around religion and Christianity that it, I was worried that my witchy friends would be like, forget about you. And my Christian friends would be like, forget about you. And I'd be trapped somewhere with no community and what it, it has been the furthest thing from the truth has happened. And I think that's the beauty of talking about ourselves with vulnerability and, and authenticity in spaces where we are curating um, realness and safety, but like, we have to talk about who we are mm-hmm. and we have to take that risk mm-hmm. because if we don't, other people won't understand that they're not alone. Yes. Yes. That was good.
0: Wow. <laughs> and you are, <laughs> that was really good. And you are, I mean, you talk about how I'm looking for this, you bridge the gap between religion spirituality magic i mean as a christian witch is all these ways and i'm so curious what well so many things what <laughs> how do you like given the the name of the series is brave women brave living like the bravery that it takes to come out of the closet again and again and again to be yourself to be willing to lose everything to have you Like, how do you tap into your courage? How do you cultivate that for yourself?
1: The first thing I have done is really reconnect back to the earth. So I've looked for the evidence around me that it is okay to be real. And there Mm -hmm. is nothing more real than an ocean. There's nothing more real than the sun rising every day and setting every day and the moon rising every day, even when we can't see it and the moon setting every day. There is nothing more real than watching the birds build a nest. I was doing a retreat with a client. When my I have my one-on-one clients, we do a mini retreat every three months. And I'm sitting there with this client and I'm watching out the window, this bird begin to build a nest. And I'm like, and we were talking about, my client building upon their strengths and what they already knew to be true instinctually. And here I am watching this thing happen with this little bird, just doing what that bird knows how to do. And so I think the first, the first task to bravery and courage is to know what, you know, to be true for you Mm -hmm. inside. And, and you listen to that because that is what we, that is what we refer to as intuition, right? Like Like it's become such a hot button word that sometimes I I hate to use it, but it's the only word we have in the English language, right? But when, when, and it's what's right for you. So I think we have to remember, particularly as women, it's what's right for me. What I am saying, there will be threads of what resonates with the people who listen to this podcast. And you take that information, you discard what you don't need, and you use what you do. And that's how you start to cultivate an authentic, courageous, brave voice is you go, oh, this is for me. This really resonates with me. This really fills my soul. This, this, this is what I mean by this. And what happens then the next thing is, is, to, is to listen and take action, but make sure that the thing that you're doing is not... If you're not shooting all over yourself. Like you're not doing what you think you should do, but you're really you're taking the time to go, okay. Well, if this just makes me feel good, then I'm gonna do it. And I I really believe that as we are moving for anyone who's listening to this later, in 2023, we are moving out of the most bananas three years that we've probably many of us have seen in our lifetimes, honestly. And But what we're starting to recognize is that most of us are not in a constant state of fight or flight. So yes, there are people who experience trauma. Yes, there are people, and I have, believe me, had my fair share, but we don't have to stay in that fight or flight response. So I think the next thing really truly is to allow ourselves to not stay in the trauma response, but be brave and courageous enough to say, okay, I felt those feelings. I had that thing. Now what? Yeah. What's next? What can I do next? What can I do with this next? Because when we stay in the fear and the, and the, the feelings of trauma and shame and wounding, it doesn't allow us to blossom into the fullness of our human experience. And we have to give ourselves permission to be human. We're just people. Mm -hmm. And and we're people who have been hurt, but we're also people who have been loved, who have been inspired, who have uh, known that we are here, each of us as individuals to be not just resilient, but also expansive, like, and, and what I think traps us is that we forget that it also requires courage to be happy. Yes. Because we live in a world that tells us we are not allowed to be happy because of all the injustice that's happening in the world. Totally. That's part of the graceful revolution. I, I actually had someone get violently angry at me for putting the word grace and the word revolution together right when I started talking about this way back in like 2016. Wow. And I was all, I don't understand why you're so mad about this. And they were like, well, there, there is no grace involved in revolution. And I was like, I think that's where you're wrong, sister. (laughs) You're like, welcome to my world. Yeah. Like, I think we absolutely, I was just talking to a client this morning, like call in on your great, have more grace for yourself. Yeah. How revolutionary would it be if all of the women in the world just gave themselves a break already,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Makes so. me a little melty. Like, come on, <sighs> just give ourselves a break. Be amazing,
0: and then it's revolutionary. Yeah, that is truly revolutionary. Yeah, yeah,
1: but, and courageous as hell. By the way, yes,
0: yes, <laughs> and the giving the break. What I. Say more about that. Because what I hear in that is the letting go of the judgment, letting go of the trying to be something you're not and be that real, be that,
1: trust your intuition. That's what I pick up on that. What would you? I was actually writing about this earlier. Like I was, I was really thinking about, you know, we talk a lot there's in the coaching world and I've done this where we've talked a lot about what do you have to release in order to call in, right? Mm -hmm. but what if we what if we stopped trying to do what everybody else is doing and truthfully we're like i wonder what would happen if like if we lived in this this curious space where in in a, a really good example of this is is someone said to me the other day, like, do I need to monetize this? Or like, how can I start a business out of this? And I was like, why do you have to do that? Why can't you just derive joy from exactly what you're doing at this moment? Like, why do we have to turn it into something? Why can't it just be this beautiful, inspired, love project right like i i learned how to do needle felting with dolls i mean there is nothing more lovely than stabbing a piece of wool over (laughs) and over again and turning it into something like because you can't stab people so you should really just graceful revolution (laughs) (laughs) so amazing but so i've been making these beautiful dolls that i mostly keep for myself uh, or give away as gifts right and my husband's like you should sell those and i was like no uh uh-uh because that would take every bit of joy Mm. out of it ever right like uh-huh. the love I feel while I am stabbing that wool is so glorious. Y'all, if you don't know what needle felting <laughs> is and you feel the need to stab things, get into needle felting. <laughs> but, like, I, I knew that it would take the joy out of it. And I've been thinking a lot about this. Like, what if we stopped trying to do what everyone else is doing and we just had faith <sighs> and trust? That we are on our path. Yeah, I mean, I I've always said I would love to put myself out of a job
0: mm-hmm. as a coach, as a yeah, all. as a
1: coach, as 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 like I, I used to say that about social work. Like, if the world could just get around to loving everybody, then perhaps we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, but like, what if we stopped trying to do what everyone else is doing and just did us? Yeah, yeah. And I I have to tell you. I think if women supported more men in being authentically themselves, we'd have a heck of a lot less men who are also very confused walking around the world going, I don't know who I am, Mm -hmm. but we live in this place that says I have to be involved in this masculine toxic us versus them mentality. And I think also part of the graceful revolution and this idea of courage and bravery and wondering is I wonder what would happen if I also stopped having unrealistic expectations of the men in my world.
0: Yeah. Huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder if that, Mic drop statement also dovetails with a recent podcast episode of yours around I didn't get to listen to it yet. How men are ancestors too.
1: Yes. Yes. Can you speak the one I just dropped about today? That? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I've noticed this thing. Yeah. Where we're always yes. talking about the divine feminine. Mm. Right. We always talk about, I mean, I I said it earlier. I love me some Mary. Like, oh, yeah. the Mother Mary, mm, the Mother Earth, the Mother Love, the, you know, that my I have a t-shirt that my husband made for me that says Mama Bird. Like I am, I mother of the world. That's what I do. Um but and when we start talking about ancestral lineage, like I and I do this too. Like my great, I know my great great grandmother, my great grandmother, I know all of them. I do not very rarely until recently have I invoked my great, great grandfather's name, mm. great grandfather's name, my grandfather's names. Like, and I thought, Oh, dang. Like we are constantly talking about the divine feminine and not talking at all about the divine masculine. And then I was thinking about, about, I said, my, <laughs> my son, Sean, we were talking about Jesus and we were talking about Mary Magdalene and he's like, well, you know, That couldn't, that, you know, Jesus didn't get married. And I go, oh, but he did. If he was here to have the full human experience, he would have obviously had a relationship with somebody so that he could have that full human experience. And Sean looked at me and he goes, they did not make out, mom. And I go, well, I don't know if they did or not, buddy, but I'm going to tell you right now, I kind of think we've got this whole Mary Magdalene story a little bit confused. Yeah. And and he's 12. Yeah. So I'm not going to get into the, yeah. the raw details, but you know, like, why don't we talk about the, our male ancestors the way we talk about the women because we are here because of them too exactly it took we, both of them and it's not about balance i really don't believe it's about and i'm saying this is a libra who loves balance but i don't mm-hmm. think it's about the balance i think it's about in this movement towards feminism and i've i've gotten my butt kicked on twitter numerous times for this opinion we have forgotten that the patriarchy is just as destructive to men
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and i would actually wager a bet to say it's more destructive Mm -hmm. because they can't be tender they can't be loving and we sit here and all these terrible terrible bills pass asking you know just attacking lgbt bodies and people of color bodies and women's bodies and everyone's like where's all the men and i'm all when did you all open the door Because mm-hmm. I didn't used to open the door. Mm-hmm. I used to be like, get it together. Get it together. Would you guys just get it together? And and I would have my male friend say, I don't know how. Can you help me? And I'd be like, no, just figure it out. Well, how do we figure it out? We collect in community, yeah. we find our people.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, if we've got men knocking on our door to say, I don't know how to help, but I really want to be helpful, and we look at them and go figure it out, what are they going to do? No. Yeah. And that's us, our internalized misogyny and our internalized white supremacy and our internalized stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we um, really look around us, we will start to realize that we're living out a whole entire chunk of the conversation that needs to be happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How... How are you opening that door? How might listeners engage in opening that door?
1: I think we need to talk to our men differently. I was actually giving a speech to the Rotary of all places. I was I was talking about grief and loss with the Rotary. And one of the things that I talked about was, my husband is a two-time war veteran with PTSD. Um, and we, I was talking about how very often I have been in the habit until very recently of looking at him and being like, well, I think you should do this, this, and this. And the trouble with doing that, and I think we run into this as coaches too, and as as people who help, as helpers and healers, is we're looking at the people we're giving our advice to with our own lens on it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a two-time war veteran with PTSD and disabilities. I I'm not, I just, that is not who I am. So I can't, give him advice that he can take i can't i can look at him and say what would be helpful to you right now Mm. what what do you what what do you need from me right now what would be useful and that is that is a different conversation. Because when we look at our girlfriends, our children, our family, our friends, our partners, the men in our world, the people in our world, when we look at them and go, I don't know what would help, but I want to be here for you if I can. Boy, does that change the course of events dramatically.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's so, as a as what's known as a two on the Enneagram, a giver and a middle child of five, like I have this long journey and story about supporting and being the helper and that kind of thing. And only recently in my life has, have I learned the power of that question of how can I support you instead of immediately leaning into how I think you need my support or here's how I can. So I'm, I'm appreciating you speaking to this and it's, a totally different conversation. Cause you're making yourself available. The door is open and you're letting them meet you in that
1: too. Yeah. And share what that is when they're able to. Yeah. And also being brave enough to say, um, actually, I just really don't need you to fix this right now. Can you just listen? That too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which so often it's, generally speaking, the woman saying, I wish he would not go into fixing mode. And yet it goes both ways too, doesn't it? Yeah. It sure does. Yeah. 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 Oh, and you, and just thank you for what you're speaking into too, as far as like men are ancestors too, and the divine masculine and opening the door. Cause this hasn't, hasn't been a big part of the conversation of brave women, brave living. And yet it's a really important element of it. Yeah. So thank you. Hey, you're welcome. And you and your husband have embarked on a very brave and disruptive <laughs> revolution of your own. Can you tell us about the mermaid's garden?
1: Yes, I can. Oh. Uh, so uh, back in 2017, I was at a retreat in Scotland and I was laying on the floor of the forest and I had this whole vision come into my head about building a retreat space and an aquaculture farm. And I did not know what aquaculture was at the time. So I called my husband, who's a marine biologist. And I said, dude, I just had this whole vision. He's like, you're in Scotland. I'm all, listen, um, what the hell is aquaculture? And he was like, what? It's amazing. And so basically what that turned into is he and I for several years would talk about it and I'd be like, God, if I only had a place where I could do retreats and other people could come for retreats and people could reserve the space for retreats. And what if we could create a space where people could return to their bodies, the land and to themselves? What if we created a space where... um Ag students and forestry students, particularly black and indigenous and people of color students who are first generation students could be able to research regenerative and sustainable farming. What if, what if, what if? And so we kept asking that question. And on January 20th, 2020, we incorporated our company. And then the pandemic happened. And then we were like, ah, what do we do? And so um, we had, and here's me thinking, well, this is a great idea. We live in Oregon where we're a veteran owned, disabled owned, native owned, LGBT owned, regenerative and sustainable business. This is a shoe in for Oregon. What with all of these magical unicorn things that we are like, no problem. Mm, ah. And then we realize just how dramatically the system of land ownership is set up to keep out exactly what it is we're trying to do, particularly when it comes to agricultural land because of the history of agricultural land. Now, my learning curve on this has been huge because for three years, I have been steeped in the process of trying to build enough money and equity to be able to purchase land to run a business. And let me just say, there are multiple things at play here. First of all, Native people are certainly do not have generational wealth. Disabled people don't have generational wealth. Veterans don't have generational wealth. And we're talking about coming in and purchasing land from families that have owned the land or stolen the land and owned the land for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And people don't like that. Imagine. Plus, we're talking about doing something that is regenerative and sustainable and, and, and gives the earth back her nutrients, her love her vibrancy and so um people don't like that either they're like i don't understand what your business plan is if you were doing cows or pigs like we could totally get that but we don't get it and so we're not giving you money wow you're not getting a loan i've literally had bankers look me in the face on zoom and say because you know it was during the pandemic so i couldn't we weren't talking to people yeah you know well honey that's a mighty ambitious project for someone like you Angel investors. Where's that needle? <laughs> right? Oh, I'm going to make another doll right now. Um, <laughs> oh, but seriously, wow. I think it's really important for your listeners to understand that while we are talking about, I mean, we just had Earth Day, for example. No. When we are talking about the planet and the earth and land and land ownership and wealth, we are not talking about people like me. And I am my very presence on the planet trying to do something like this is an affront to Mm. disrupting the system that builds our food infrastructure and builds our wealth. And we have really incredible business partners that served with my husband in Iraq. We have met some incredible people. We are partnered. We have a lot of support. But it's really been very interesting, Megan, especially when I talk to um, white progressive folks. They're like, I don't understand why you can't just get this done. But I talk to my LGBT folks, my disabled folks, my Native folks, and they're all, oh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you be having that problem? And we have to recognize that if we're going to dismantle the system of, of white supremacy, We have to allow ourselves to ask the question of how do people get a loan? Even when you, so we've done all, we followed all the rules. We played all the games. We've got a business plan that proves, you know, um, that we make money in year two. We've done all the things. And, but the investment system is still set up that they want their money back in 12 to 18 months. Because that's what angel bucks. investing is, is you put the money in and then you pull it out really quick. If you need a hard money loan, it's still 15%. And you still have to come in with 30% down. And the way land is, since the since COVID has happened, the way ag land in particular, I mean, we need 50 acres. We're not talking about needing five yeah. acres of land, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the way, that's a million dollar, million and a half dollar piece of property. Well, you know, you do I, that go, I mean, mind. I could go on and on. Classic. The particular, this is its yeah. own podcast. Yeah. In and exactly. But the yeah. point is, every time I try and give this up, every time I'm, I'm like, fine, I'm done. Something else happens. Someone gives us money. Someone mm. does this. Someone does this. Like, it's, and I'm like, oh, can I just give it up? I want it done. <laughs> the universe is and like- the universe is like, nah, here you go. Here's a little, here's another mm. nugget. And so, so what I want your listeners to hear is when you have these ideas come into your body.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and that you can't shake them. Start to talk about them. Cause I also kept this a big secret mm. for a long time. Like I was like, well, I'm not going to talk to anybody about this. And I had this whole paranoia. Like what if someone steals my idea? Or what if someone f- thinks I'm a shyster? So what if someone thinks I'm trying to compete? you know, create some foofy woo-woo la-la cult that's like super weird. Right? Like, And so I had to work through all of that stuff to go, no, really, like I want to create a space where people can truly reconnect to the land, their bodies and themselves in whatever way that works for them. However, that is, I want to create a place where people can, everybody can come to the table, Mm -hmm. even people who are nothing like me, Yeah, because that's how we're going to build community. And I want to create opportunities where other people can, can do something like this in other places. hmm hmm But that requires a lot of support and a lot of capital. Yeah. And investors and funders aren't willing to do that for people like us.
0: And yeah, it sounds like some of that is happening. It's starting to happen. Yeah. You're starting to get the investors. Not at all the way. It. Not at
1: all the way, I thought. Not about.
0: at the yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it never looks the way you thought it would, but really like, really like talking to the USDA has been shocking because you can't get funding from the USDA if you don't have three years of farm management experience. Management. Wow. Well, people who are veterans or who are disabled or who are people of color, they don't have farm management experience unless they grew up on a farm. Well, who are the people that grow up on farms? White people. Because they're the one who's been running the farming industry for the last several—I don't know—five hundred years.
0: Can Can you share briefly just what aquaculture is? For oh yeah,
1: listeners, who because I had to look it up myself. I was like,
0: "What is this?" Before we oh go yeah, ahead. that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we are going to. We want to grow hybrid striped bass which is a really lovely white tablecloth fish um, in tanks inside a big gigantic barn. And so what will happen is it uses 95% less water and the effluence that comes off will be used on the farm to grow fruits and vegetables and all the things. So it, it, all the fish fertilizer and all the magic goes out. The plants clean the water and our hope is to com- to create a completely sustainable system where the water gets cleaned by the plants It goes back into the fish over and over and over again.
0: Oh, oh, oh. God, I, okay, so I, right now, can we just create some magic and see it and feel it and taste it? And I so look forward to being on that land with you because it's the mermaid garden. I mean, the mermaid's garden. And I'm just inviting listeners to tuning in because they say it takes two people to create a new reality. Yeah. And what can we create a reality where
1: this actually and the forest and the the space, just the space to be in this in this place. Come where, home. Yeah.
0: Ourselves. Yeah to be home. Big to big mama. Yeah. Yeah. Where there are practices that are kind and graceful mm-hmm. and revolutionary yeah. in their very presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank you for seeing that with us listeners and for a moment and bringing energy to that. Are there other ways that we can contribute to the mermaid's garden becoming a reality?
1: Yes. So we have, um, there is just a a support us button on our website at themermaidsgardenoregon.com. And I know that's a long thing, but there is a mermaid's garden fish uh, restaurant, our fish supplier in, in New York city. Oh, and wow. so they yeah, said yeah. just as long as you have Oregon on the thing, they don't care. Right. But, um, yeah, it's been really, it's been really fun to go through the trademark process and all those things. So we do have a, a, you know, you can support us with whatever level of financial contribution you want to make. I also do retreats, uh, twice a year. So, um, I'm doing one again in the fall. Um, so if you get on our mailing list, you'll get information about our retreats. Um, so you can always come and attend a retreat with me. That's facilitated by me. And then, um, if you know anybody who wants to not be an investor, but if you know people who have capital who are like, yeah, I'll give you a 10 year loan at some percent interest for however long, you know, for like five or 10 years. Yes. I would be happy to do something like that because you have shown proof of concept that you can make money and you can do these things. And and yeah. so if anybody knows anybody who's got, you know, a million dollars in capital laying around that they'd like to support, do a loan with something like this where they would be willing to go for five or 10 years out, that would help us a, a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, disrupt the system of banking and lending and all these things. Yeah. Because they, they are definitely set up to work against us. Yeah. Or if anybody knows someone with 50 acres, and they want to do an owner carry which is also um 40 to 50 acres uh preferably in Oregon um preferably down here in the Willamette Valley but you know we're willing to look outside Lynn and Benton County um but who you know the other thing is if we found someone who was willing to do an owner carry where they own the land and then then they wouldn't have to worry about all the dang taxes the capital gains taxes for several years if you know if anyone's in that boat we can do that too. So there's possibilities.
0: And yeah. I, I, I love the audacious asking and the brave asking. And so listeners, if you have any inclination resources, support, there will be links in the show notes that you can connect with Melissa again, for the mermaids garden, that URL is the mermaids garden, And then Melissa's Website is drmelissabird.com. So, again, that will be in the show notes, but you can check that out. And even if it's an energetic contribution or of a prayer or any Christian, mystic, witchy, anything, all's appreciated. Because all the things. (laughs) Because aren't we so one of the things that you were mentioning earlier in the conversation of like, as women letting ourselves off the hook, one of the things there's so many different ways we can let ourselves off the hook. One of the things that I think is a beautiful thing that you're modeling right here is how we bring our dreams to life with support and being willing to ask for support and be willing to let go of how it shows up and not thinking we need to keep it secret or private or like you know not ask for support and being audacious in those asks. So it's about thank you for modeling that.
1: Like we just really have to remember that our life is a weaving. We are weaving a tapestry, a blanket, a basket, whatever it is. We are weaving this life yeah. and we can't, we can't keep pulling the magical threads without connecting to other people. We are healing happens in connection. We are meant to heal collectively. Yeah. We are not meant to heal in isolation. Yeah. And and we forget that so, so often. And, And I know this is going to happen. I don't know how, and I don't know when. And every time I try and predict it, it doesn't happen, but I know it's going to happen. And I know the work that I'm doing with my preaching, um, with my sermons, with my podcasts, with just all the conversations that I'm having, they're doing things for people. And that's what we have to remember. It, you know, it doesn't matter if we're a widget maker or a homemaker or a magic maker. We're always, we're all doing our thing. Yeah. And we're supposed to be doing our thing. Yeah. 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 And
0: it, it weaves us together. And what I, what I'm so appreciating about your vision of the mermaid's garden is it's a homecoming to ourselves and to the earth. And there's a lot of room for healing with that Yeah, for sure for yeah. sure. I want to let listeners know about a free gift that you have for them and then we're going to wrap with a question that I ask all my listen all my all my guests. So listeners, I want to let you know that Melissa is offering this super generous gift for you and you can basically get a free mini card reading with her. The link will be in the show notes. Yeah. Melissa, can you tell us a little bit about this reading and who it's for and
1: so one yeah. of my most favorite things that I do is tarot card readings. I actually do them live. I do like little tiny quickie readings live on a place called Talk Shop Live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern or Pacific. But like, I love reading tarot. It's so fun. It's one of my favorite tools to use when I'm working with people. And so I'm offering your listeners um, a 30 minute mini reading. So usually my readings are for an hour, but I'm uh, it's a 30 minute reading where we'll do a little bit of coaching around one thing that's, that's really got you stuck. And then we'll do a little mini tarot reading and then you'll walk away with the clarity that you need in 25 to 30 minutes to go do the next thing. That's amazing. That is super generous. So,
0: fun. oh my God. I love the tarot too. I love the mother piece. Mm, the, yeah. 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 So the link for that will be in the show notes and highly encourage you to check that out. And take her up on this invitation. And Melissa, before we go, share with us who is a brave woman that's been inspiring you these days?
1: Uh, I have two. Uh, One is um, I've been deriving a great deal of inspiration from Sarah J. Moss, M A A S, who writes uh, fiction. And she writes what I lovingly refer to as fairy porn. But basically it's, she writes fantasy uh, with really good sex in it. And, but I love, I can't, I love her for writing this world, these worlds that she writes. Like, how do you even sit down and come up with this, right? Like these authors who inspire us with these fictional, magical, balls worlds. So I just like, she is rad and I oh, love so. her writing and I, I love her characters, but I love the, the vividness of the world that this woman creates is just bananas. I feel so good. So I'm even totally if you're not like in a fantasy or anything like that, read them anyway, because there's really good, really good. Sarah, good. Sarah J. J. Moss, M-A-A-S. Okay. Awesome. Um, start with the Court of Thorns and Roses. Really good. Uh, the other uh, woman who is really inspiring me lately um, is, is, uh, well, it's a tie between mother Mary and Mary Magdalene. Honestly, um, there's a book called Mary Magdalene revealed that Megan Waterson wrote. That is one of my most favorite books ever about the missing gospels, the lost gospels of Mary Magdalene, but also the mother Mary for her. We just came out of Easter and the Holy week and all the things, you know, the idea of knowing, This is what I love about Mary. The idea of knowing that you're carrying this being and birthing this being that is then going to die for the world is so powerful to me and so beautiful. And I think that if we understood more of her story, we would Mm -hmm. understand more about ourselves. And Mary Magdalene is the same for me because she was a prophet and she had a voice and she had a message and she had a purpose and the Christian church has v- the, you know, empire Christian church has des- tried their damnedest to decimate her voice. And she's still here and she's still speaking and she's still preaching. And I love that.
0: Oh, so inspiring. And the legacy lives on, doesn't it? Yeah. Cause here we are in this lay preacher, me getting to have this conversation with you. And I feel like there's a way that, I keep seeing this vision lately of the cir- the flower of life, circle, 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 circles, yeah. and just present to, we are a part of their legacy and we are creating that. So thank you for being yeah. you. And for all the inspiration and what I love about these conversations is that I get to receive all this medicine and juicy mm, from this. And then I get to share this with you listeners. And so, Dr. Melissa Bird, it's been an absolute honor. Thank you. Thank you. And is there anything else that you feel called to share? Oh. We've done it. So. Thank you. Listeners for more of Dr. Melissa Bird, check out the links, get connected with her on Instagram. You can find out more about the mermaid's garden and I wonder what adventures you'll be on until the next time. So be brave, be you. And in Melissa's wisdom, go out in nature and let nature show you that it is okay to be real. Yes. Thank you so much till next time. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap or is it if you're like me and you want to continue these conversations, come on over and join the free brave women, brave living Facebook group, where we're having conversations that cultivate courage. And before you go, I have a request and a reminder. If you'd be willing to share this episode with the women in your world, subscribe and leave a five-star review that will help me reach more women with this message of Brave Living. I have a sense they'll thank you and I thank you too. Now for the reminder, Brave Living is not about being fearless. It's about noticing the fear, summoning your courage and doing the thing anyway. (gasps) You're amazing. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you in the Facebook group on the next episode. And until then, be brave, be wild, and have so much fun being the magic that is you.